In American society, money is a taboo topic. We're taught at a young age it's improper to talk about it, but we're also bombarded with messages about the power and importance of money in our everyday lives. And by not talking about it, we miss out on the skills and lessons we need to effectively understand and financially plan. That changes today. Welcome to Money Tales. Hosted by Sandy Brager and Cami Doder, Money Tales brings more than 35 years of combined professional experience in personal finance to demystify money and demonstrate what it's like to speak openly about personal financial matters. Join us each episode as they interview modern-day movers and shakers about how money decisions intertwine with their daily lives in order to give you better insight into productive financial conversations. Subscribe today and register for our blog, Fathom, at aspirient.com slash podcasts to increase your money mojo. And now, here's Cammy and Sandy. Justin Breen joins us this week on Money Tales. Justin started his first company with zero business background. As Justin tells us, at the time, he didn't even know what an entrepreneur was. Back then, he was wrapping up a 20-year career as a journalist and decided to leave that profession when his salary was greatly reduced as a result of cutbacks. He tried to find a different journalism job, but couldn't. So he started a business instead and hasn't looked back. Justin is the founder and CEO of the global PR firm, Brepic and the exclusive connectivity platform, Brepic Network. His newest book, Epic Life, features a forward from Dr. Peter Diamandis and has been the number one overall book for sales on Amazon Kindle. It also recently made the Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestseller list. Here are three key topics Justin hits on in this conversation. First, how money is energy. Second, how the purpose of Justin's life is connecting visionaries to serve humanity. And third, how frequently Justin comes across entrepreneurs who've let their passion for business destroy their family life because they were too focused on making more money. We hope you share this episode with a friend and please subscribe to Money Tales on your favorite podcast platform. Now, on to our conversation with Justin Breen. Welcome to the Money Tales podcast. I'm Cami Doder. And I'm Sandy Brager. Sandy, we are talking budgets at our household these days. Oh my gosh, how's that going, Cammie? <laughs> well, what I love is what prompted it. I give a lot of credit to Money Tales and us being more conscious about having money conversations. So my husband and I, we just realized that it doesn't feel like our life's changing. You know, we're sort of doing the same thing. We have an annual trip. We go to Ireland and, you know, like it doesn't feel like it, but our kids are at a different stage. And we're realizing we're signing up for all these different activities. Ah, and what are you hoping to achieve with this budget? It's really about being intentional and also just being mindful of what is the spend. I don't think we're going to make different choices, but instead of just being an autopilot, and it's something we talk a lot about, whether it's life choices and, and even spending choices, that we are mindful about what those choices are and, and that what they're adding up. And here's, I'll give you another thing. We've looked at our house and said, God, it needs to be repainted. <laughs> but that's all new expense. So just being mindful of what's coming in and what's going out or what we think might need to go out. I think that's a great exercise. And I'm wondering, how are the money conversations going between you and Roland as you're discussing all of this? Well, the budget is just starting. And in general, I think it's going really well because we're exercising this muscle. And when you don't, it feels like it needs to be this big conversation. And this is the first time we're like, 
for our personalities. We don't need all the details, but we do want to know generally what are the numbers. So we're not going to audit these numbers, but we will start updating the budget and adding more clarity to our decisions. Tammy, the power of money conversations, you're living it. Thank you for sharing. I think that's great. And good luck to you and Roland as you make decisions with the new insights and all this great work you're doing together. I'll share with you when we do put it together and what type of conversations it prompts. Let's transition over to our Money Tales guest today, Justin Breen. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here. My favorite anecdote or quote about money, I'm in a group called Abundance 360. Very grateful to be in that group. It's top entrepreneur, genius, maniac, visionaries on planet. And then the person who started that group, Dr. Peter Diamandis, founder of XPRIZE, he wrote the, the forward for my latest book, Epic Life. He talks about money is energy. So that's all money is to me. It's just energy. Oh, well, would you introduce yourself a little bit more? And in doing so, Justin, share a couple pivotal moments that took place in your life that really influenced who you are today. Well, there's many. So I'm a dad who happens to be an entrepreneur and purpose of my life is connecting visionaries to serve humanity. So I spend most of my day either hanging out with my wife, who's a pediatrician, and our two sons who are nine and 10. They're both maniac visionaries. That's a compliment. Or talking to World Stop Visionaries and then connecting them. So do that through a global PR firm that connects visionaries. And then second company where my wife is transitioning out of pediatrics as she's the COO of second company, it's basically LinkedIn for visionaries. So it's really fun to be in that space all the time. August 28th, 2004, that was the day my wife and I met. And then I told her I loved her September 4th, 2004, because I- You don't waste time. Wow. I was going to tell her August 28th, but that would have been too fast. So I waited a week. Um, I'm an (laughs) activator. I would have told her the first hour, but she's a stabilizing human with very high IQ. So I didn't want to unstabilize her that fast. So I waited a full week. That was kind of you, Justin. I love it. We're going to have some fun talking (laughs) visionary and connecting visionaries. Let's reel back the time clock and tell us when you were growing up, how was money handled in your home? So I really like that question because this is how I learn in real time is talk to people and then every meeting is an opportunity for mentorship. So you just learn in real time by having conversations. My father was 61 when I was born. My mom was 27, 34 year difference. My father was a World War II hero, shot down multiple times in combat, many times without a parachute, and he just got back into a plane. So that's my litmus test. You're either someone who can do that or someone who makes an excuse. I don't understand people who make excuses. It's very confusing to me. And that's what separates visionaries from everyone else. They don't make excuses. My father died when I was 13. My parents met when a drunk driver hit my dad in his late 50s. The drunk driver was killed. My dad broke every bone in his body and survived. And then he woke up. He thought he was dead. And then my mom was his nurse. He thought my mom was an angel. You have some great love stories. My goodness. Yeah. So I don't understand humans. It's confusing to me. So you're either born someone like this or not. And then I was just born with a story. And then money to me is energy. I really have never thought about money other than it just being energy. I don't think about budgeting or I've never thought about that. My wife does. And then the greatest joy of entrepreneurship is that my wife has evolved, meaning she takes far more chances in life. 
now than she ever would have because she was raised by two stabilizing humans who looked at number crunched everything. I've never number crunched anything other than someone's Colby score. That's really all I care about. And then what separates entrepreneurs from humans, business owners, four things. One is potential uh, bankruptcy or potential bankruptcy. Two, depression. Three, highest level of anxiety you can imagine. And four, likely and or possible traumatic experiences as a child or young adult. So for humans, business owners, consultants, those are excuses. Visionary entrepreneur, figure it out. So I'm three of those four. The one I've knocked on wood never had to worry about is bankruptcy or potential bankruptcy. So I think as a child, there was always enough energy. There was never a threat of bankruptcy. However, when my dad did die when I was 13, that was one that was confusing. And then I was very grateful to earn a, a full academic scholarship to a, a Big Ten university. But I've never had to fully worry about money, as far as I can really remember. I'm curious, when did money become energy for you? Always. To me, like energy is to create experiences. So when my dad was alive, we had good experiences. And then he wasn't a good dad, great dad. So he was born in 1916. So he survived World War I. His parents escaped the pogroms of Russia, came to America speaking no English. They would have been killed in Russia, but they escaped. So they came here speaking no English, sent all four children to World War II. They were all boys. They were featured in national media about how much they loved America. I'm named after my grandmother, who was called the Little Colonel. That was her nickname. That's what the articles called her, the Little Colonel. <laughs> and she was, I've never met her. She'd be like 160 now or something like that. So he overcame the Depression, World War I, Spanish flu, World War II. He became attorney in Nazi war crimes, Nuremberg trials. His best friend was killed, a mafia hit, very famous mafia hit. The person who was killed in that was in the movie Casino. If you've ever seen the movie Casino, that was my dad's best friend. Wow. He had children after that, and then he was grateful to be alive. He was a great dad. And so then he had overcome all that, and then he created some very good experiences. When he was alive, he would say the cream rises to the top. So you're either someone who can get into a plane without a parachute after another one's been shot down, or you're someone who isn't. There's no gray for me. My wife's 100% gray. I'm all black and white. We hear it, these amazing experiences and money being energy. You're an entrepreneur. When you came out of college, what did you do? Did you go straight into entrepreneurship? My brain turns everything into patterns. So all I do is talk to top visionaries and then most of them are ADD. They're all over the place. Uh, not a disorder. It's a sign of genius mislabeled by humans. And then I hear blah, 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 blah. And then I simplify it into a pattern. So people like me, usually but not always aliens within their own family, community, and verticals, the only people that understand us are top entrepreneurs on the planet. So I was talking like this my whole life. And then most people were like, what are you talking about? For 20 <laughs> years after graduating college, I was an entrepreneur who happened to be a journalist, was writing about and connecting cool people changing the world. Never understood negative news or political stuff or crime stuff. I don't understand any of that stuff. It's confusing to me. So I was always writing about connecting cool people and then never understood journalists who were doing the negative stuff and they had no idea what I was doing. So I started first company with zero business background. I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was, but I started first company in 2017 after job salary was cut in half. They had cutbacks. So that's what happens in journalism. So tried to find a job, couldn't find a job. 
incorporated six days after turning 40 with zero business background. So over the next six weeks, reached out to 5,000 people to find first five clients while I was working full-time at half the salary. So most people can't, they're not capable of doing that. They're not going to get shot down that many times without a parachute and get back into the plane, but that's what you do in entrepreneurial life. So got fifth client, six weeks later, resigned the next day. And then Robert Feeder, he's since retired, but that at the time he was top a media columnist in Midwest. He did a story. I'd started my own firm. So that was just to start first company. So just I want to stop you there for a minute because I'm curious, had your salary not been halved by the company you were working for? So there's two things from that. One, things are meant to happen. Like my dad was meant to get hit by that drunk driver. I was meant to meet my wife the day before she started. My so that Pure was- fatalist. Well, why would, I mean, I don't need to be tricked more than once. Like the odds of my dad surviving World War II, he kept a diary of his experiences fighting in the Battle of the Hurricane Forest toward the end of World War II. I found it after he died. If anyone's read Man's Search for Meaning, it's certainly not that horrific, but it's pretty close. So like, I just stopped believing in randomness a long time ago. I mean, things are just meant to be. So one, my job salary was supposed to be cut in half. I was doing what I love to do and what I was good at. So I was just doing it for a media company. Now I'm doing it for the partners and, and the companies and then my family. So there's been no change at all what I'm actually doing. It's just the way it's been doing it. It sounds like you created a number of businesses. Two, but that'll two will become four to four. It'll never because Earl Nightingale is my favorite. He's the OG of motivational speakers. I've always, I guess, liked older things, older people, because my dad was older. And so I really should be like 80 years old because my dad would be 100 and, 100 and whatever now. So I should have been born in like the 40s. So like old wisdom. But so Earl Nightingale, he did audio recordings in the early 1900s when they just started doing that. My favorite quote of his is, success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. The PR company, the first company, I was a journalist for 20 years, created entire first company based on how PR firms annoyed me for 20 years. So I I don't even know what PR firms do. They just bothered me when I was a journalist. And then all the PR firm is, is a connecting platform for geniuses. And we're constantly introducing each other for mutual gain. So all the new company is, which my wife is the COO, it's a connectivity platform. It's literally a SaaS platform. So it's just technology for what I was doing through media. So there's been no difference to that. And then that will spawn another company. Because success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. All right, Justin, we're going to get to success in a moment, but I want to understand this woman you fell in love with on day one, (laughs) who sounds like you just told her seven days later, sounds like she comes into this relationship with a different background, but you don't do budgets. No, you don't really think about money. How did you guys reconcile these differences, you and your wife? She does all that. And then her dad's a CPA. Okay. So you don't even talk about it. I've never really cared about it. One of my good friends, he's a genius entrepreneur, his name's Hugh Massey, and he runs a financial company and he has an assessment. I know this company well. Okay. So Hugh's a great guy. Have you taken that assessment? I have. Yeah. Behavioral DNA, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the question in there, I think it was like, do you like talking to your financial advisor? And I think I was one out of a (laughs) hundred. I think it would have been, I don't care. It doesn't (laughs) matter to me because it's just, it's just energy. And what I see in the money world, there's two things from that. One, people are consumed with money and they don't think about anything else. I just want to spend time with my family and connect visionaries. And the byproduct of that is I make as much money as I want to because all that stuff takes care of itself. Okay. So that's, that's one. Two, 
All I do is talk to the world's top visionaries. That's it. Not humans, not business owners. And then I talk to one to two visionaries every single week that have let entrepreneur life destroy their family life or prevented them from having a family because they're focused on making more money. They're winning the wrong game. I'm focused on spending time with my family and connecting visionaries. Thinking about money, all that stuff, it just takes me away from my purpose. It takes me away from success as the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. I admire how purpose-driven you are, Justin. And I'm wondering, have you ever had a situation in your life where you were concerned about money? After job salary was cut in half, yes. And tell us what that was like for you as someone who has the experience that you've been sharing with us. Okay, so that's a fair question. My father was shot down multiple times in combat, many times without a parachute, got back into a plane, should have been killed numerous times in battle. If he can do that, I can deal with getting my salary cut in half. My wife got through medical school. If there's anything comparable to entrepreneurial life is that if she can do that, my mom raised four children after my dad died when I was 13. RIP, my youngest brother died of a drug overdose when he was 29. If she can do that, I don't really understand people who make excuses or complain. What I will say, there's two things from that. One, you just figure it out. Entrepreneurs will do whatever it takes. That's why I was an entrepreneur who happened to be a journalist. We live in a pretty nice house in the northern suburbs of Chicago. At the time, job salary was cut in half. Our sons were two and four, I think, something like that. Now they're nine and 10. Okay, figure it out. And then the most miserable I've been in entrepreneurial life was toward the end of 2018 when I'd made more money in one year than I ever thought possible. And I'd never been more miserable in my life. So I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why do you think that was? So in human employee world, you get a paycheck every two weeks, right? So that was my whole life. And then started first company like April 2017. And when you start a company, one of the chapters in my first book, Epic Business, is it takes two full years to really figure it out when you start a company. So it hadn't been two years yet, so I hadn't figured it out. So I was going from making like, again, more money in, in one year than I ever thought possible because you don't go into journalism to make money. At least I don't think you do. So in going from 30, 40, 50K a month to not knowing where your next client is going to come from, it's very debilitating. And I hadn't gotten used to the business cycle, how the entrepreneur world works yet. So it was debilitating for a long time, but it was an essential lesson. And I'm so grateful I went for that because one, it made me truly realize what money actually is. It was a wonderful experience to go through now, certainly not at the time. But two, I realized what really made me happy, spending time with my family and then growing my network. And then now companies make way more than that, but it's because I'm not focused on making more money. I'm focused on what I'm supposed to be doing. So I'm curious, you've become very successful, it sounds like, and congratulations on that. But it sounds like monetary success isn't even important to you. No, not really. So like, here's what separates true visionaries from business owners. And this is where I see visionaries becoming miserable because they get trapped into being business owners. So business owners, humans, whatever that they care about, revenue, office space, employee count, transactional stuff. So they're trying to change their world there. I never think about any of that stuff anymore. True visionary cares about purpose, spending time with loved ones, true connectivity. They're trying to change the world, the, or they are changing the world. It's a fundamental difference. So I appreciate you saying the successful part. The success is because I'm spending time with my family and living purpose of my life, which is connecting visionaries to serve humanity. That's the true success. And then see our children whenever I want to, creating wonderful moments with great energy with them. 
that's a true gift because I know what it's like not to have a dad around. And I'm not going to do that to my children. I just won't do it. Justin, these lessons are powerful. And I'd like to know a little more about these conversations you've had with entrepreneurs who have focused too much on money, losing sight of their purpose. How do you coach them through that? Well, I'm not a coach by any means. What I will say is I'm a pattern recognizer. And one of the chapters in Epic Life is winning the wrong game. Great friend of mine, he's a pure genius, pure visionary, Jesse Elder. I was talking to him one day. I go, why are these entrepreneurs focused on all this material stuff? Lists and employee count and revenue. He's like, oh, they're just winning the wrong game. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. I'll write a chapter about that. But what I will say is there's only one game for me to win. One, spending time with my family, and then two, growing network on a global level. So those are the only two questions I asked myself that day that actually matter. One, did I have a good experience that day with my family? Two, did network grow on a a global level? So I found the other stuff, the business owner stuff takes care of itself. When I talk to other entrepreneurs, I always know there's a struggle or the wrong game is being won when they lead with three or more material things. Like, oh, hey, I just hit the 10 million thing or I I just had a big exit. I don't know. I just got a car or something. So then when it's three or more, because my brain's a pattern recognizer, I always ask, how's your family? That's always my follow-up question. Almost 100% of the time, not 100%, but almost, it's, oh, going through a divorce, never had a family, never see my children, because all this other stuff is just a shield for what they don't have. So my brain is very black and white. And so if I see a great idea, like winning the wrong game, I incorporate that into my life, just win the right game. If I talk to one to two folks every single week that have let this life destroy their family life or prevented them from anything meaningful or having a family, I'm like, well, that's a bad idea. I'm not going to do that. Why would you do that? So it's very simple. Justin, this is all interesting. I'm fixated on the byproduct of money coming from all of this. And it makes me wonder, what is the role of money in a visionary's pursuit of making the world better? So I will answer that from a strategic, practical, human way, which I rarely do, but it's important in this aspect. Well, certainly the first company, it's high price point to hire the firm. That excludes people that look at things in a scarcity world because visionaries do not want to be introduced to people that look at things as cost. It's two different worlds. The second company is high price point to enter only for visionaries because visionaries want to connect with visionaries and then grow things together quickly. They don't want to be held back by 15 meetings. They don't want that. So putting a money, I don't want to say barrier in it, but a money entry point keeps the bar high enough where it includes the people that really want to be there. It puts the people there that live in abundance. They look at things as investments, not costs, and then they're pure visionaries. And then Again, connecting visionaries to serve humanity. All I want to do is connect visionaries because they help everyone else. They provide the companies that hire people. They provide the foundations that serve people. They, they create the charity. Like, But I just think about the visionaries that actually do it, actually make the investment. That's where the money part comes in because they will do whatever it takes to create that energy. So again, Zero business background. I don't even know what an S-corp is. I don't really care about it. I didn't know you had to pay taxes four times a year when starting this. We've had multiple billionaires, multiple nine-figure folks in both companies. I think now it's probably just over 10 people that have been dirt broke. 
but they found a way to make an investment. They didn't make an excuse because they wanted to be in the room with people that could immediately change their lives because they are one of those people and they made the investment to be one of those people. Does that answer your question about money? It does. I think that's very interesting, using money as a hurdle. It's an energy hurdle. You want the right energy in the room. That's all it is. So then once visionaries come together, they connect, they create. Immediately. Yeah. In your perspective is that money is not a big part of their ability to create. They don't need that capital. Not if they have the right mindset. Well, no, because one, the people in the room will have the capital or they'll be able to connect them. And then two, they want to do it. Okay. So I keep making bigger investments to be in smaller rooms, but the people in those rooms are making bigger impact and then literally created a smaller room with bigger impact that will continue to get bigger. But that allows me to spend biggest investment in smallest room, which is my family, where I can make the most impact. So it's the same formula. And then if you're not a litmus test for people you serve, you're you're a hypocrite. So our companies connect visionaries to serve humanity. I'm a visionary who's serving humanity. I mean, I'm just being a litmus test for people I serve. You're a connector of people making an impact. What do you most want to do next that you haven't done? (laughs) So thank you for asking that. That is not how my brain works. To me, success is progressive realization of worthy ideal, Earl Nightingale. I'm 32 out of 34 in ideation. And strength finders, most of the people I talk to are top five in ideation. Most of them are top five in futuristic. I am not. So all I want to do is build the thing. And then whatever the visionaries do, however they help people is fine. And then whatever opportunities come my way, which they will, then I'll know right away if it's a great idea. Like when I met my wife, I knew that was a great idea. (laughs) So I have no idea. And that's the fun part of this is that if you create something, if you take action, you make investment, then all this other stuff will take care of itself. And then the great things happen. It's the people that don't take action the people that don't make investments, the people that don't take the big chances, I don't know how to help them because they're their own limiters. And the people in my life, there are no limits. Justin, this has been a very interesting conversation. You are bringing perspectives and experiences that we haven't heard yet on Money Tales. And it's been very exciting. Thank you. We always end our our episodes with a final question that's the same. And I'm so curious to hear how you'll respond. (laughs) Okay. The question is, what is your next money conversation going to be? And who's it going to be with? Can you help me with that? (laughs) I don't know. I know I just wrote a big tax check to the government, but I already did that. Oh, okay. So for the Brepic Network, and I don't do anything backstage because that way I would blow up the company. My wife and my partner who's in San Francisco, Mark Fujiwara, they're planning a big in-person event in California sometime next year. I think it'll be in San Diego. So my money thing in that is just make it first class, whatever the investment is. Does that count? (laughs) I think that works. Okay. It does. Uh, I think it represents your values. And I think that's a big part of what this conversation was about. Tell us, Justin, for our listeners, where's the best place for them to find you? This is a tremendous interview. You got my brain really thinking. So I'm, I'm very grateful for this. But repicnetwork.com is the main site, repicnetwork.com. Justin, thank you so much for sharing 
your visionary personality and your great storytelling <laughs> and just sharing so much with us on Money Tales. This was so much fun. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Money Tales podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with someone you think would benefit from listening and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. Your ratings and reviews help more people find our podcast. If you're inspired to gain clarity and peace of mind about financial matters, don't hesitate to reach out to our team at Asperient. Go to asperient.com forward slash start a dialogue. Or you can email Sandy and me at podcasts at See you next time.